I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost Words Betting Podcast. I'm joined by Bradley Zob. Brad, hello. Good evening, Tom. How are you doing? Yeah, good, good. It's a Tuesday evening. What are we? Quarter past eight at night. Uh, yeah, overcoming a, overcoming a um, bank holiday weekend between the two of us. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, there's plenty to talk about. Um, you know, Chet Masters, Todd Clements wins uh, a yeah. week after Dan Brown wins so like two kind of back-to-back English winners um and two to be fair that weren't necessarily on my radar so that's always interesting um and then tour champion is you know whatever that is like everyone has their kind of feelings about that I didn't really care I'm glad that Victor Hovland won it because I love it yeah, um, so I don't think anyone really would deny Victor Hovland any sort of success so um if you are the problem's probably with you so I <laughs> Yeah, like Victor Hovland, happy that he did that. But let's focus on Czech Masters just for a couple of minutes. Um, I didn't watch a ton of it. I know you said just off air that you did. Um, yeah. I think it kind of played out more or less how we all expected, like driver heavy, you know, the, the people come to the top of the leaderboard. But you were impressed by Matt Wallace as well as the winner at Top Clemens. Yeah, I, I was. I feel like Matt Wallace did everything, but when he got off to a really shaky start, like he couldn't keep his driver straight at all. But... He was just recovering every time. He was like seriously good on approach, and that he got beat by one shot by an incredible round from Todd Clements and take nothing away. I mean, he's a Colchester boy. He's local to me, so I love to see it. Like um, I was on Nikolai last week, so I was cheering for him until he sort of uh, lost it down the back nine. He just couldn't get it going. Um, and I also forgot to give you my uh, selections last week, stupidly, in the, in the <laughs> rush that I was in. So, yeah, that was. I'm quite glad in some ways he didn't win or else I'd have let down the pod. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I was very much impressed with Matt Wallace. And um, as I might go into later on, um, I think he has a, a great chance this week to, uh, to build on that performance. Well, look, if he, if he did one last week, that's a win on both tours, right? Like, he won the Corrales. I think, mm-hmm. for me, like, Matt Wallace is such a strange case study. We were just talking about him on kind of the DraftKings show I did with Sky. And, like, my my thing with him is, like, I think he's the type of player that people do overreact on one way or another. Um, you know, if he misses cuts, he's the worst player in the world. If he wins, he's ready to win again, sort of thing, like, or contends he's ready to win. And, you know, it's just weird. It's weird with Matt Wallace. So I, I've... He always worries me from a volatility standpoint. He's obviously been second here in the past, so he's got plenty to look forward to. And look, I don't think he's in the Ryder Cup conversation at the moment, but if he wins, then, you know, maybe he makes it more difficult. I think he knows that as well. I think he's fully aware of that. So that's why he was so gutted last week when he couldn't get it done. Well, he referenced it, I think. I think he tweeted about the Ryder Cup, and I was sitting there thinking, well... You know, yeah, yeah. He, he believes, trust yeah, me, yeah. He, he believes. Um, and that's why I really also like him this week. Yeah, it's weird with Wallace though, because like, he won three times in a season and didn't get in. Like, I, I find it weird that you would think he'd get in this time when he's been so inconsistent. Well, he's got that PGA Tour win, as you already alluded yeah. to, which is another sort of something to sort of say, hey, I can do it over there, I can do it over here. Yeah, well, there you go. I think, I think the thing is, like, you look at the way the tee times are set up, it's very obvious they're playing all the kind of European list points as players of each other. And then Ludwig Aberg is playing with Coles Hearts and Molinari, which is just very clearly a, if you mm. play well in this group, you're probably in. Um, very much so, yeah. Which is which is fair. And look, to be honest, if he does perform with both vice captains on his shoulders. Oh, um, I mean, that is, pre- that, is, that is stones. If he can do yeah, that, like, yeah. he really does warrant a space, yeah. I don't know <laughs> what he would have to do, though, for me, because... Like, I don't know that another fourth place finish really changes my mind. Then, like, I basically, and this is not, like, breaking news, but, like, I kind of called what he was going to do last week. Like, get in contention, kind of fall away when he was in contention, and then shoot a low round. That's exactly what he did. Like, mm-hmm. fell out of contention on Saturday, shot a low round to kind of finish into the top five. Um, and I think that's him for now. Like, I think he's just that type of player. And we see it with PGA Tour players in the past that have taken a long time to win. Like, they do it. They shoot a low round once mm. the, the kind of battle is over. And you see all these kind of like can't miss kids. And it's like Patrick Rogers and people like that. And they just don't win. And 
look, not for one minute do I think Aberg is that type of player because I think he's I think his driving is exceptional. Yeah. Just I just worry that unless he wins, like what is he kind of I understand that, yeah. I yeah. think there's just a massively high ceiling, which everyone already knows about. Yeah. And as you say, I think he can win at any given point, like, and that is just the truth. And I know it's all just off of his incredible amateur record, where he's a serial winner. He won very early on on the Nordic Golf League when he was a young age, and that was on a professional field. Um, so I don't, and obviously it's different kettle of fish. And we can see low. We see loads of amateurs that don't rise to the occasion ever, and and that really good amateur record, and don't translate it on the professional level. So I get it, but I just feel with him, he is special. And I I got priced out of him last week. I actually really did want to take him, but sixteen to one, you can just jog on. To be honest, um, so I wanted he's more. Like, he, he's bigger this week, right? Like he's bigger this week after. Yeah, he is. Matty Fitz is in the field, of course. Yeah. Like, but this is my kind of argument against him last week. Like, that was probably the the real low you could have taken on him. Like, I just mm. I could not see a, a you know a situation where he got any lower than that. So, um, look, I think it all depends what you're what you're looking at. So, we know Rory, John Rahm, Victor Hovland, Tommy Fleetwood, Cyril Hatton, Matt Fitzpatrick are going. Shane yes. Lowry, you might as well chuck in there. Justin Rose, you might as well chuck in there, right? Yeah. So McIntyre currently has the European points list spot. Yeah, he but that can, can all change. Yannick, yeah. Yannick can win and well, not he, completely. McIntyre just... needs to win to guarantee it still. So he can still yeah. lose it by finishing second to That's Paul. Right. Um, there's also like a total of like six players that can get in. Um, and it's, I think it's Rasmus Hoygaard. Um, I can't remember, I did have the list here in front of me. Right. But... Moronk, Rasmus Hoygaard, Yannick Paul, Atagi. Uh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. Nicola. It no, was. It's, not, no, it's, it's McIntyre, Paul, Moronk, Perez, Rasmus Hoygaard. Very much in the mix, though, Nikolai. Yeah. I feel. Well, I, I think it's between Nikolai and Aberg for that final pick. If you if you think yeah. that Stracker's in, do you think Stracker's in? I think you can't you can't say no to Stracker. Yeah. I really so, don't think. You so can, we're so saying it's can... it's Rory, Rahm, Hovland, Fleetwood, Hatton, Fitzpatrick. Lowry, Rose, eight. Then if we say McIntyre, just for a hypothetical sake, gets yeah, in yeah, yeah. points, that's nine. Um, Stracker, 10, which leaves you two picks. And it's and at the moment, I think it's between Aberg, Moronk and Nikolai Hoygaard, three for mm-hmm. two picks. Um, yes, I agree. I think if, if McIntyre is leapfrogged, if McIntyre is leapfrogged this week by Yannick Paul, does he get a pick? Yeah, I, I believe he will. So we, I, we think I, I he's do believe he will. So I feel like he's in it no matter what. I personally feel that. So so then it's it's between Moronk, Aberg, and Nikolai Hoygaard, I think, for... Mm-hmm. I agree. And I think the odds probably... And, if, and if Wallace wins this week, then again, that changes it a little bit. I think, um, I think the, one, the one I'm worried about, you know, I have been worried about McIntyre, and I'm still a little bit worried about him losing that automatic spot. But let's say he's in for the pick, which he probably deserves. It... Moronk's slowly going the wrong way, um, and, it, and it sort of coincides with the pressure of making his team, so that concerns me a little bit. Um, <laughs> so I wouldn't be completely against going a Berg Nikolai. And, and, I think and, yeah, I think a Berg and uh, Nikolai would be my yeah. two at the moment. Um, as you said, Moronk's not going uh, the right direction. It's so. just, I guess it just depends on the course, right? If, if you just want the course fit and the course knowledge, then you take Moronk and Nikolai. But there's no reason to think that Ava wouldn't be a perfect course fit as well, based on his drive. Exactly. Uh, exactly. So, look, it's tough of Ava. Exactly. I, I go back and forth on him. I think that there's still more to learn. And I think that he's very green. And I don't think he wins you the Ryder Cup. But I don't think that Adrian Moronk wins you the Ryder Cup either. So, I mm. Think we're in a bit of a weird position where I don't think like whereas like Poulter and Sergio and all those type of people have been picked in the past Westwood based on like well actually they could make a significant difference based on their experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, this time you're kind of taking talent level and if you're doing that you people will argue that Aberg is is the one. So um, mm-hmm. there's a reason he's in that pole position in that group uh, playing with Eduardo and Orion Colesart. So I think it's his to lose at this point. That I think so. Yeah, that says it already, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, so look, let's let's get onto the event itself. Mm-hmm. We, we've already kind of referenced Matt Fitzpatrick is over. He's eight to one. 
Um, just a sort of nod to Jason. Jason said if he was, if you've got the tens available, then he would still take him. I'm sure he has taken him, but at eights, he's not as interested. Um, Aberg, 18 to 1. Nikolai Hoiberg, Hoigard, sorry, 18 to 1. Adrian Moronk, 20 to 1. Matt Wallace, Alexander Bjork, 22 to 1. We've both got a selection at 22 to 1. Um, you and Jason both agree on Matt Wallace, so I will let you sell Wallace first. Yeah. Um, so basically what I already said before, I was just so impressed uh, with how he played last week. Um, and on another day, he does win that. It was just an ex- extraordinary final now from, uh, round Sorry, from uh, Todd Clements that beat him. Um, and yeah, he missed a couple of golden birdie opportunities down the stretch as well. And if it had gone to a playoff, I'd, I'd have fancied him to get it done. Um, but yeah, I really liked what he said afterwards. Uh, he said he was proud of himself and he's looking forward uh, to another crack at Kranz. Um, he also said the prospect of him being on the Ryder Cup team like really means a lot to him. So, yeah, I, I love that. We already briefly mentioned it and uh, he hasn't given up yet. And he just he, he knows that a win is his only chance. So I do like that motivation factor. Um, he ranked out as the best player tee to green. Um, and he was third in ball striking last week at the Czech Masters. So that's really good to see. Um, he's also ranked first in scrambling, uh, which is massive at Kranz, as we know. I think he ranked first in scrambling last year here, where he finished uh, runner-up. Well, he lost in a playoff to Friston Lawrence. So yeah. so we know he can perform well here. Um, he'll be highly motivated once again. And if he churns out a performance like last week, um, I can't I can't see him being far away. He, he also has loads of... Um, Results on correlative courses that I looked at. Third at Kenya Open, uh, sixth at the Maiden Himalayan, uh, third at the BMW International Open, and uh, fifth at the Gary Player Country Club at Nedbank. So, yeah, it really does um, add to his case. And I just think he is going to go well this week again. I think it's a tough one for me because I see. So, obviously, Wallace, he finished seventh at the Valspot and he was in the hunt and then won the Corral as the next start. But otherwise, I feel like he's, and, and obviously he won three times in a season in that Ryder Cup year, he didn't get picked. On one hand, he's got this kind of record of being someone that can stack results up. And on the other hand, he looks like a player that, at the moment, it doesn't matter if he has a good week, it could just be a bad one the next. And that's what worries me about him. Now, mm-hmm. you're being asked to take 22 about him, 22 to 1 about him, in a DP World Tour field, as opposed to a PJ Tour field. So I think that's the one big qualifying point. Um it's not like there's a massive overreaction. You're asked to be in take 30 to 1 in the PGA Tour event, right? Like he's he's 22 to 1 and he's surrounded by a bunch of non-winners, basically. Um, so there's that. I just, I find it hard to have any one thing that I pin Matt Wallace's hopes on. Uh, I guess you look at the fact that he was second last year and second last week is probably the, how you do it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's think- interesting one. Yeah, I think because I watched that final round and like yeah. not even not even being on him, I was just like, wow, he's just he's just playing really well right now, and you can sell, see how much it means to him. Like he was getting himself in bad spots and just hitting like clutch shot after clutch shot and giving himself chance for birdies where he had no right to, and yeah, he was sinking some, but he was missing a hell of a lot as well. And I just feel like he was really unlucky last week not to win, and. He was absolutely gutted when he came off that uh, green and everything he said afterwards. I, I just believe that he can he can do it again. And it's on a course that he loves. I just feel he can go again this week. Um, and yeah, as we've already said, if he does win, it will certainly make an interesting conversation afterwards. Yeah, I honestly don't think he'll get in even with a win. Um, It'll be tough. It'll be tough. And, and the reason I think that is because of the people that Donald surround himself with. And one of them being Eduardo Molinari, that's so data driven. Like, I think he'll be the one that's really pushing for Aberg to be on this team. Um, and look, I don't think anyone, like, I don't think Donald is sitting there going, no, I don't want to play Aberg. Like, I think they all want to play him. But, like, I think it'll be Eduardo that's saying, like, no, we need this really strong driver of the golf ball to be in our thing. We can pair him up with. You know, whoever. Yeah, I get that. But I mean, Wallace has really added distance as well recently. Yeah. Which might be why the inconsistency has crept into his game. Like, it's it's an interesting one. Like, he's one of those people, Wallace, that like you absolutely believe that if he got on the team, he'd be good. Oh, he'd be great. Yeah. It, 
it's just I don't think like if he didn't do it when he won three times in a season, I don't know how he would get on it now. That's that's my kind of thought. I think if he finished, I believe if he finished like fortieth last week or thirtieth and then won uh this week, it would be like it wouldn't be enough. Yeah, it wouldn't even be probably in the conversation. But the fact he nearly won, and they probably looked at him and thought, you know what, he should have won. Um, and then they, if he won this week, he'd be like, well, that's two times he could have won back to back. And honestly, I think he'll be in the conversation. I don't think you could ignore that, but I do agree. It's, it's, it might not be enough, um, but I do think they'll consider him. Like, yeah, it's got to... be, I think it's got to be a conversation. Um Interestingly, one person that hasn't really been in the conversation, despite his good play, is Alexander Bjork, who I'm going to go with this week. Um, 22 to 18 places now is the best. It's all about, you know, Wallace is inconsistent. Wallace at least wins, whereas Bjork has done it what, once and, and never again. But he leads the tour in scoring average. He's got seven top tens this season. Um, he's been lights out for pretty much the whole season, despite having the obvious handicap of being one of the shortest players on tour. Um, so he's playing brilliantly despite his obvious drawback, which is the driver. That's negated here. So in 2017 on debut, he was third after 54 holes and finished 16th. Um, he's finished 28th and been 14th going into Sunday, 13th, uh, where he started pretty well, and then 16th last year. So everything kind of suggests to me that Bjork is just going to play well again. And I think he's a, a safe option to kind of finish inside that top eight. Um, and whether he can get over the line remains to be seen. But I think, honestly, like if I don't think there'd be much in it if, if either one of those two won it. I think the conversation is the same. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think we necessarily want to take them, but we probably should have a look at them now that they've won. Um, that would be my thoughts on those. Mm-hmm. I feel like Wallace has definitely got a better chance than Bjork based on... Just that- court fit, I guess. Yeah, yeah, of course fit. But also, I know Bjork's been incredibly consistent... I, I don't know if he'd be a great um, Ryder Cup player. I think when it when it comes down to it, you know, when he does have chances or under pressure, he hasn't stepped up. Like he hasn't shown that in the past, you know. So going to do that on the biggest, um, the biggest event, golf event. Haven't we seen some players though that have been good at the Ryder Cup without kind of being able to win? Like I just. It's, it's weird, like, we'll very quickly touch upon the American team announcement today. Like, a lot of people yeah. were, like, really down on the fact that Cam Young didn't go. And oh. I don't get why. Like, yeah. he hasn't been good enough. He's never won. Like, no. I know that he's had a good result at the Open. He played well in the match play. But no, I like, think the one that, no, not for me, like, he, he should never have been. Uh, Keegan Bradley's Keegan Bradley's the one that should yeah. feel hard done by for me. I, I think I think with him, like he just didn't follow up that Travelers win, and I think he put so much into that Travelers that because mm. it meant so much to him. And I think I think honestly, he probably thought that was almost enough, like two wins. Um, oh, two wins. <laughs> it, I think I think the, the trouble is like his biggest problem is that Zozo Championship didn't count to the points. Um, yeah. He's only started doing the points for the regular events in 23, so yeah, the other ones would be on the team, right? But like, it's a bit of a weird process that winning that current season didn't count. Um, yeah. I mean, he's pretty solid at the FedEx Cup as well. He got better as the events. Yeah, like, I, I think he's hard done by, but I think that the people like it's basically him or Burns, isn't it? I think I think the others. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, JT's in because his yeah. name is JT, even though he's playing absolutely. I think I think for JT, like he can turn it around. I like I do. Well, I do. Well, no, and it's it's more the fact that his teammates will want him there because they yeah. all believe in him. Um, I think you can almost burn a pick on that. Sorry for the pun, but like you can burn a pick. <laughs> on that, right? But yeah. like. Sam, the Sam Burns over Bradley or Sam Burns over Cam Young or whatever, I think is more important. Like, yeah, Burns is a bit like a striker, isn't it? Really, it's like yeah. really high scene. I suppose winning the match play as well has done him. Um, but that's, so that's the thing. Like, so he's won the match play, and apparently, I don't really remember it that that much. But like, even though he only got one point in the Presidents Cup, like he was pretty good at it. Um, mm-hmm. Was unlucky not to win. So like, I, I, I can see it. And I think it's the same argument for Stracker. Like, how do you win multiple times on the PJ Tour in recent years and not get on a European Ryder Cup team that's struggling for players, right? So I think both of them as, like, last begrudgingly kind of picks 
is fine. Um, yeah, I, I think Bradley's a little bit hard done by, but mm, it depends. Who, it depends what you're viewing it. Is it Burns over Bradley and Burns gets in because of his match play win and the fact that apparently he's great partner for Scheffler, or does do you view it as Bradley over JT and then it feels undeserving because of their current form? That's mm-hmm. that's the thing. Um, so. Interesting. I'm glad I didn't have to make the decision. Um, but I don't. I don't think the European one's the same. Like I think it's just a case of like. I think Luke Donald's in a position where like he hasn't really got that much to lose. Like yeah, if he picks Aberg and it doesn't work, no one's going to go. You shouldn't have taken Luke Aberg. No, like exactly. That's and exactly. if Hoygaard, I think I guess if he takes Hoygaard and Moronk and doesn't take Aberg, then maybe the maybe everyone mm-hmm. should have taken Aberg. Um, but also, I feel as though like the US team, they were picking players based off their previous history, that's their name. Chemistry. And whereas, yeah, as well, it's this completely different scenario yeah. with the Europe team. Like, it's, it's it can't. It's just going to be who they think is going to be the best fit and plus best player, rather yeah. than just hit mates rates, you know. So. Yeah. No, fair enough. Let, let, let's circle it back to to Kranzen because the other one we've been mentioning heavily is Nikolai Hoygaard, Jason. Uh, is starting with him rather than Matt Fitzpatrick now that mm-hmm. Fitzpatrick's got it at eight. I get the Nikolai Hoygaard shout. I absolutely understand it. Um, I think that there's two brother, two sets of brothers in this field that both can learn from their other brother that's won here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll come on to that in a little bit. Um, Nikolai, obviously 29th here last year, 12th going into the final round. So I like him. I think last week was a better golf course for him, um, and he finished third. And I don't know that necessarily he he beats that, but if he goes top five again, I think he's he's done enough probably. So um, definitely see the line of thinking on Nikolai Hoygaard there. Next for me is Antoine Rosner. Now the price has come in. He was forty to one. You can get thirty threes with six places. I'm going to go thirty with the eight because I think every place on Antoine Rosner you can get the better uh, at the moment. But I was on him last week, and I think this is actually a better goal, of course, for him than, than the one last week. Um, 22nd, and he was 10th going into the final round uh, at the Czech Masters. His iron play got better every week, 5th and 15th over the final two rounds in strokes going approach. Final round, 62 here on debut uh, to finish 13th, and then he finished 4th last year. So I just believe Antoine Rosner's got uh, a great chance. And look, I think... He knows he's literally zero chance of getting on a Ryder Cup team, but I think he's the type of person, him, Smith, um, you know, if Yannick Paul feels, uh, falls short but plays well, I think these guys just want to impress when the, the heat is on um, for future Ryder Cup teams, potentially, like if one of those other guys goes in from vice-captain to captain, et cetera. So, um, yeah, I, I like Rosner a lot. I think he's got a great chance of contending. I think it's about time that he won. He's been, you know, ultra consistent. I think he got go back really to, consistent, yeah. Yeah, I think he got go back to kind of March, I think, for his last missed cut. Um, mm-hmm. I believe that was that, that was the number that was on. So, um, you know, it's, it's pretty incredible what he's been doing. It's just, it's just that winning aspect, isn't it? Like it is, yeah. It's yeah. whether he'll do it or not. But he's done it three times, so. Um, I feel quite confident that Rosner can bring mm-hmm. it back around. Then I guess the one that I feel I'm struggling to leave out is Yannick Paul. Like I think I think for all the reasons yeah. that you like Matt Wallace and and Jason or like Nikolai Hoygaard, like this is a guy that's gunning for that final spot on points. He knows the only way he's going to get in is by earning it. Uh, I know he's not going to get a pick, um, <laughs> right or wrong. I don't know. You know, I don't necessarily think he needs to get a pick, but. He might feel like he's done enough, you know, being the final man out, if you like, of the points list. Um, but you can see why he wouldn't get in. So he, I think he's in that great position, unlike McIntyre's kind of protecting a spot um, on the board. Like, yeah. he's gunning for it. So I think that's a good thing for him. It is, yep. You've got Justin Sir as a 40 to 1. He's coming over from the PJ Tour. Not mm-hmm. gone there, but I think we see a lot of the time the PJ Tour players dropping down is, is a bonus. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how he does. Like, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have the like, bravery to take him, but yeah, uh, yeah I'm interested to see how he gets on. I think it's one of those because, like, when he's at like 80 to 100 to 1 on the PJ Tour run of the mill event, exactly. people yeah. want to play him, and when he's 40 to 1, they don't. But 
it's all relative. Like the way he's been playing is suggests that he should be good here. Um, I'm not going to go on him because there's nothing really to pin my hat on to him other than he's a PJ Tour player and he's pretty consistent. Um, so I'm going to go with Alex Fitzpatrick, which I think you are as well. Um, yes. He's just been electric. Like, I think mm-hmm. we, we were talking about Alex Fitzpatrick last year when he was playing in kind of spot starts, limited starts, and we were talking about him trying to get his card right. And we said if he if he got consistent starts next year, he'd be a problem. And it's taken a little bit longer, but he is. Like, he, he is fundamentally a really solid DP World Tour player already. Um, and it's not taken long. And I think what I like about Alex Fitzpatrick, other than the fact that he's Matt Fitzpatrick's brother, um, is the consistency that he's shown since that, you know, he was fourth at the Challenge Open, at the Italian Challenge Open, then he finishes 17th at the Open Championship, where he's 10th going into the final round. Struggled a little bit to finish off the Irish Challenge, but was 12th going into Sunday, after all the highs of, of what he'd done at the Open. Wins the following week at the British Challenge. Does admittedly miss the cut on the next start, but then goes second at the ISPS hand of 14 for the Czech Masters, and he could never get anywhere near Dan Brown at the the ISPS handler, but he was second all the way along. So I just love the consistency he's shown. And I think this might be a bit lazy, but is Alex Fitzpatrick what Matt Fitzpatrick was when Matt Fitzpatrick was winning crowns? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, this is what exactly what I've, I've sort of got in my head as well. He's on a serious upward trend at the moment. Yeah. And like his brother, he just has bags of potential at this stage of career so yeah I, I completely would say he is <laughs> and like and like skill set as well like I think he before Matt added all the distance I think this is what he was like like he was this mm-hmm. great scrambler who can get hot with the irons and the driver yeah. t-screen is excellent um you know his t-screen game last week was, was oh, seventh. yeah he was brilliant t-screen yeah, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's, he's pick his brother's brain, Carney. Well, I actually think, although people will think, you know, he's he's won here twice, he's been second in the past, he's probably just tuned up for the Ryder Cup. I, I actually think Matt Fitzpatrick's here for his brother's benefit. Like, I genuinely think he's, you talk, you see him, he's always so genuinely supportive of his brother. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think he's going, oh, like, Alex could benefit a lot from me being here this week. It doesn't really do me any harm. I play well at this golf course anyway. I'm in good form. Let's add one more to the Ryder Cup run mm. um, before Wentworth, I guess, he'll play. He might even play the Irish. Like, I, th- I think it's more like, let's get Alex around here and, and get him a big win because... Yeah. I reckon they have aspirations to do stuff together, you know, play on the Ryder Cup team together and stuff like that. I, I honestly think, like, look, he can't because it's like a late surge but yeah no well it's not i would love it but it's not. yeah like he, wouldn't, he probably wouldn't let us down <laughs> it would it would be funny though like i, I imagine matt fitzpatrick probably already in luke dodd here but like he'd probably like, if he wins there would be a serious like come on let's let's take a chance then like yeah, pair up me. like <laughs> that might be the only thing against fitz because i don't think matt fitzpatrick is a great rider cup player and i think like that's something that could something that could bring him out of his shell but mm-hmm. um he's yeah, probably he's not not that enough at this point, but like no, it's not going to happen. But yeah, interesting. If he wins though, I mean there'll be a few. That's, that's what I mean. Like, it'll be a win yeah. in a second. Like you talk about Matt Wallace, it'd be the same stretch of form, right? Like it's, it's similar. Yeah, I suppose Matt Wallace could say that he's he's done more abroad um, overseas, but yeah, I, I I think he'll have a stronger case than Fitzpatrick if he wins. But I still yeah. think Fitzpatrick Alex will have a. Well, we'll certainly get a few murmurs from people if he did win this week about yeah, getting the team. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, he's got a massive ceiling, hasn't he? He's got a massive ceiling. And uh, I just feel like the pressure not on him uh, this way, I think he's he could go well. I really do. Well, we've only really known him as someone that's trying to lock up his card all the time. And then all of a sudden, he, he plays so well at the Open Championship. I say all the time, like one season, but like... He, he plays well at the Open Championship, wins his first Challenge Tour event, then gets two starts in the DP World Tour and plays really well. Like, he's taking care of business now. So, he's now freewheeling a little bit, and I think that's a great position for someone of his talent to be in. So, really high on Alex Fitzpatrick this week. Mm-hmm. Nathan Kimsey, Brad, is someone that's coming back from good performances on the PJ Tour, nearly won, um, mm-hmm. and a better golf course this week than last is the main thing, I think. Exactly that, yeah. He was actually the first name I wrote down uh, for this event this week. Um, but yeah, he's, he's had his injuries, like he really has suffered this year. 
Uh, but yeah, quality, it's been quality since returning. Um, as you said, had that stint in the States, uh, finished second and 25th over the two events. He did earn special temporary membership, even though it probably meant absolutely nothing. Cause I think I think only lasts up until the RSM Classic and he wasn't getting any invites. So I just, it felt pointless that stage of the season. I think it's a shit system. Yeah. Um, either way, uh, impre- it was an impressive run of form and uh, he had his first event back. Uh, in just over a month last week, Czech Masters, as you said, it weren't the best course for him, but he finished 31st and improved over the weekend, shooting rounds of 68 and 69. Um, and in Kimsey-like fashion, he hits lots of fairways and greens. He ranked 10th for driving accuracy, 9th for greens and regulation, and 12th in ball striking. Um, yeah, he hasn't played crowns before, but it just looks as though he uh, is going to be right up his street. Um, he has the game for it. He isn't the longest off the tee. Um, he relies on his accuracy. Um, he had a tenth uh, at Himaland um, before heading out to the States. And we've seen plenty of crossover with that course and Crans in the past. We've seen another short course, loads of risk rewards. Um, precision approach play is important. And we've seen players turn up at both. Rasmus have won both. Wallace, if I've already alluded to, has finished runner-up at Crans and sixth um, at Himaland. Wiesberger, Ramsey, Samuja, they've also had a brilliant record at both. Uh, so that certainly boasts his case. And after seeing his friend and fellow Challenge Tour graduate, Todd, Todd Clements, sorry, win last week, I'm, sh- I'm sure that will give him some belief that he can uh, do something similar this week. Yeah. I think I think for me, um, it's just that kind of course fit versus last week, right? Like that's the main thing, yeah. First on a course that should not suit at all is a good result, um, and it would be why I go into one of my picks later on exactly thirty first as well, Tyrone Nathan Gimsey. So mm-hmm. um, when you look at the last three winners, Thurston Lawrence, Rasmus Oygaard, Sebastian Soderberg, what do they all have in common, Brad? Uh, debutants. Debutants. All made their, all won here on their debut. Uh, Soderbergh in a playoff that included Roy McRoy. Rasmus by one stroke, famously shooting a really low round when Fusberg couldn't quite finish it off. And then Thristen Lawrence over Matt Wallace in the playoff last year. So all debutants. Um, I think maybe David Lipsky wouldn't have had that much form when he won in 2014 if he had any at all. Um, and some others have played well here off the back of kind of missed cuts if they've played before as well. So I don't necessarily, like, you'll always see this kind of like, it's a horses for courses type event, and it, and it is, but for those that consistently yeah. finish like fifth, sixth, seventh, right? But for just pure win equity, I don't think it really matters too much. And no, no, I don't. I think it brings all types. I just think all it does is bring diff- uh, the, the short hitters into play a bit more. Yeah, that. And I think also, I think there's always this kind of thing about people playing at, elevation altitude and all the calculations they could have make and if you've got history at the golf course you'll be better at that some people are just good at that straight away like and, and actually yeah. it's probably better sometimes to just go have no previous inhibitions of oh well i i did it like this once um and it didn't work so let's not do that again you can go and get these things off trackman you can literally go and set your trackman um to whatever the altitude is play the hole as if you're like hit your shots if you're playing that hole and it'll adjust for you so there's not really that much in this day and age you can't overcome um so right caddy right form i don't think course uh lack of course experience should really hinder anyone uh, especially kim's who's in good form mm-hmm. going completely opposite now uh for me someone with a bunch of course history and course form eduardo molinari who i me- mentioned earlier being in those um, two rounds with uh, Ludwig Eberg over the first couple of rounds because of uh, the vice captaincy, I think he's still got enough to win a tournament. And th- there's two lines of thought. One is that he's changed to the long putter after a conversation with Adam Scott. And lazily, we've seen how that's re- revitalised his career and Lucas Glover's in recent weeks. Um, so there's that. The fact that he ranked 29th in strokes game passing last week on his first go with it and finished 11th, which was a nice return to form. Then you've got the fact that he was 14th, 2nd, 12th, 13th, 29th here in the past, uh, 29th being last year. So bunch of course form, change to the long putter, um, and I still think he wants to prove that he can win. 
mm-hmm. in front of these people. And like, there's no good him going like, oh yeah, I'm going to watch to see if Aberg is capable of, of being on the Ryder Cup team if he can't beat him. So in my head, I'm sitting there thinking he probably wants to go all four rounds and either Aberg beats him to kind of get it. Or yeah. he goes, look, you couldn't beat me. Like, yeah. you know, if you can't beat me, yeah, you've got, like, you got no so, chance against. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like, I think, I think he generally has that kind of thought process about him. He's very analytical. He's, um, he's the reason a lot. Well, I don't think it's a lot of the reason, but a small reason why Victor Hovland is doing what he's doing. He works out all of his kind of stats and course management things. He does Fitzpatrick's, uh, Matt Fitzpatrick's as well. So there's a lot going on in that brain of Eduardo Monares, which might explain why it's been. A kind of up and down career mm-hmm. but I think he's still enough to win and this is a golf course that's been great for veterans Thomas Bjorn twice won in his 40s Miguel Angel Jimenez won at 46 oldest DP World Tour winner ever so I think at 42 years old with the fact that he ranked 20th in T-screen and approach last week and 29th in putting suggests it go well of course he likes yeah. I think the main thing there is the putting you know yeah. that is massive if, if, he didn't, if he didn't change his putter I wouldn't even be talking about him yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I was, I had to consider him as well with the, when as soon as I saw he gained on putting. Um, but yeah, I didn't get there, but I can, I can definitely see why he's attracting some attention this week. Yeah, like that, that is, that is it. Like if, if it, I think it's, and look, it'll be one of these like, well, Lucas Glover's changed his whole career. He can do it. Um, it's not as simple as that, but he is the same type of profile of player that like the passing yeah. has held him back. Um, previous winner of big events and. You know, he knows what it takes to get on a Ryder Cup team. So, um, yes, like that. Jason's gone with Sammy Vanamaki in this range at 70 to 1 as well. Uh, mm-hmm. for last week on a goose, decent run of form with yeah. five made cuts. Um, one start here, one missed cut, which again, not necessarily too worried about um, based on what we just said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he didn't do a lot wrong last week, Sammy, until the final hole. Oh, the final couple of holes where he went in the water. But yeah, he looked very solid. Really solid. Yeah. He's not really for me. Like, I think I'm, I'm done with the Sammy Vanamaki kind of experience. I think it is an experience. Um, <laughs> but no, I think there's him, there's Guido, there's all these kind of cult heroes on the DP World Tour that. It's very volatile. <laughs> yeah. They get priced down for a reason because uh, they're popular names, but they should probably be a certain price because they, they can kill your chances. Um, True that. Jason's also gone with um, Ewan Ferguson. He's a player who he likes, who we're talking about a lot. He's 60 to 1. So he's gone with Nikolai Hoygaard, Matt Wallace, Samuel Lomaki, Ewan Ferguson. And his final pick is the same as mine. And this was the one I referenced to you earlier, Brad, when I said the person that tied with Nathan Kimsey last week, which is John Catlin. John uh, Catlin, yeah. 175 to 1. So he's won at Valderrama and there's been plenty of crossover at that event. Um, and then and then he's played well at Kenya. He's played well in Austria, which I like. So there's plenty of crossover that I do like about John Catlin. Um, and ultimately, again, another one that finished 31st of Czech Masters in a course that doesn't necessarily um, cross over uh, for him. There's no you know driving distance to his game or anything like that. So the fact that he was actually... Um, in the mix, relatively speaking, um, based on the fact that he had a slow start, didn't he? A slow, slow round one and then kind of climbed mm-hmm. up the leaderboard. He finished 21st here on debut, ninth after round two, sixth after round three. Um, multiple top finishes, as I said, with the win alongside it at Valderrama and fifth in approach. Um, just absolutely love John Catlin. 175 mm-hmm. to one, eight places. We know he's a winner. He's done yeah, it three times. I think I think he's the sort of player, Brad, that wants to prove um, that he's not a bit of a flash in the pan, which could be held against him. Like he won three times in a short period of time, and you could argue that's just a hot spell. Um, mm-hmm. If you go back to what he did on the Asian Tour, he won three times in 2018, and again in 2019, and then carried that on for two years in Europe. You'd suggest like it's not a hot spell. Um, in fact if you go even further back like the Asian development tour like every year he just used to win so it would be a harsh um, critique of him but Mm -hmm. he hasn't got the game I don't think to compete on the PGA tour I don't think he's that type of player Um, Uh, Asian tour or DP yeah and and I mean unless you look at kind of like the Aaron Rise of this world and think he can follow in that suit Um, but 
yeah, like I just think he knows what his level is, comes to these courses, know this type of course is perfect for him. Uh, so yeah, John Catlin, that 175 yeah. to one after mm. showing signs of life. And it was just yeah. that it was just that eye-catching straight going approach effort last week, top five. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's huge. Yeah. I mean, considering what it has been, like it's just it's been there's been nothing really to shout about the last like five events. So I think you've got to take him when he's shown a bit, because as you just already said, he's he's a winner. So yeah. well, look, if, if he finishes, well, let's say, let's say he finishes hypothetically eighth this week, he's going to be half the price again potentially. Um, I guess maybe not because the Irish Open and, and that would be deeper fields, but like he will shorten up in price. And yeah, I think well. I think take a chance on him when the course is perfect for him after a decent uh, straight scan approach thing is not a bad tactic. So John Callum for me was my final selection. You've obviously given your three that you're on. Yes. Was there anyone else that you were close on? I mean, there was a couple of names for me. So the first one was Nicholas Norgard Moller. Who? Yeah, I was close to. He was on my shortlist. It's close to him. Yeah. Let's see if I can find my notepad quickly. I've got them all written down. <laughs> the re- reason for this one with with Norgar Moller is because it's like the anti-course fit, and I'm I'm starting to kind of like this approach that like, oh, he was great last week because he was brilliant at driving distance. He can't do this week because it's a short course, but mm-hmm. he shot a second round 61 last year and a final round 66. He can definitely take this course apart. Probably yeah. won't win because he doesn't win and it's probably the course where he will get caught out. Like I can just see him being in contention and being a bit shaky and, and kind of throwing it in some water or whatever, whatever you can come across. Uh, and mm-hmm. um, so he was one. Uh, Henny Duplessis was another. I thought he yep. showed some good really like him. Yeah. Soderberg has won here in the past. I think, he, you know, he's mm-hmm. typically going to, um, you know, repeat form. Pepperell, I thought, was a bit big. I know he's not got the greatest course history, but playing one again. Uh, Zanotti has shown form. Oh, with yeah, he, he, he was mine. Yeah. yeah. So they're the kind of ones I looked at. Yeah. Okay, so I've got um, Muller, like yourself. Yep. Didn't make it. Victor Perez, I found, was really interesting. Because he played well last week, hit the ball superbly tee to green. Um, but he's got a terrible, terrible form at this course. But yep. it makes no sense why he he would have such bad form. But yeah. I was also looking, he's actually come into this in pretty good form before and still not shown up. So that put me off. But it feels like he's, he's had plenty of experience playing in the Alps, you know, on the Alps tour. And uh, he obviously has the game for this, I feel. I just, this type of test, I just... Couldn't really put my finger on it anyway. At 40 to 1, he was of interest. Uh, then, yeah, as I said, Moller, um, Zanotti were very, very close. He's probably the last one off for me. Um, yeah. Obviously, it's a great course. Um, Bjork's on my list. Um, Hai Satsune, really like. Um, and Van Royen, I thought, was an interesting one um, coming over. Yeah. Um, again, he's, he's flashed here in the past with a couple of decent performances just yeah. don't know how he's going to perform coming over but yeah he was an interesting one for me yeah Van Roy and he had that decent effort didn't he at the Barracuda I think it was where he was sixth um yeah. and but that was like one lone bright spark in an otherwise pretty oh, it's been it's been crap yeah it's been really terrible I just feel as though if he's in this he'll come over a change of scenery you know he might just show something i'm not sure oh, the other thing, he, he, shot, he shot a second round 63 at the scottish I, open so yeah there's, there's that he was 17th after two rounds there despite opening of a 72 and being 123rd so maybe there is those couple of weeks you could probably look at him i mean even at the 3m open he opened for 68 he was top 25 windham championship he shot a second round 67 to miss the cut by a couple mm. so there's it's kind of Little bits there, isn't there, with Van Royen? There um, is, yeah, and he's a massive price. And 35th in two starts. So actually, I can get on board with Van Royen. I don't, I don't mind that. Um, mm, 151. Yeah, no, I get that. That's that I like. Um, JC Ritchie, I liked. He's hitting the ball nicely. Uh, I think this is a sort of event where he could come to the fore a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Alexander Levy is still playing really well, and I think it's the sort of course that he could do well at. And then I guess you've got the kind of people that 
players have mentioned or tips has mentioned around a bit of the Freddie Shots, the Max Smiths, the, the people, oh, the Nick Packhams, yeah. yeah, they're all in all in decent form and all showing signs of life. So get those completely. One person, Brad, purposely left until the end, who I think people have forgotten about already, maybe. Um, Mm-hmm. Daniel Hillier is yeah. hundred to one again already. Um, if he if he played here two weeks after missing a cut at the Scottish or the Open or whatever, after the Open, sorry, would we be backing him? And would he be forty fifty to one because it's only recently and everyone forgiven him missed cut at the Open? Like yeah, maybe I think maybe because it's been a bit of a, a long period, he's probably given himself yeah. a bit of a holiday. Like hundred to one, just because he's coming in. Like he was tenth after two rounds at the Scottish Open, wasn't he? Then that was after the third and first. Um, he's been away for five weeks, and suddenly he's a hundred to one. He won the Swiss Challenge. Um, he did, yeah. So, and someone that came second at that event, Craig Lee, also comes second in this event. Look, the Swiss mm-hmm. Challenge is a very vague link because I think the Swiss Challenge is actually held in France. So, uh, yeah. it's it's not like. It's not like how he's been in Switzerland, but just but I'm sure it'll give him some good vibes either way. Yeah, exactly that. And I just I just think he's overpriced. I think a hundred to one is Yeah, you just don't know what you're gonna get from him, do you? I mean, no. either way, you know the upside. Yeah. You know the like upside. I guess you've got three players like that in that range. You've got yeah. McKibbin, Hillier, Helikilda, all people mm-hmm. that we know what we'll be clubbing down. I mean, it's sort of obviously this course, they won't be hitting driver as much. Um, yeah. or, well, they will, but just that won't be smashing it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I do, I do think Hiller is a big price, though. Yeah. No, I, just, I just think he's a big price. I, haven't, I ultimately haven't gone with him. Um, and I think the last time I said ultimately I'm not going to go with him, it's probably the British Masters when he won. So maybe i should do it but, maybe i should have uh, a saver then <laughs> yeah maybe we should go on i wonder what price is actually on the exchange um uh, the... it's it's just one of those that i can't get away from the kind of upside of his talent um let's have a look because we kind of see him as this person that's not very consistent but he's not had a long enough career to make that judgment yet i don't think um mm. 160 to one is on the exchange so that's sort of potential interest let's say mm-hmm. um, i still think catlin at kind of nearly double the price is decent each way value so i'm going with yeah. that but there we go um brad i think that's it i think i think yeah i'm scrolling down the odds right now i think that's it yeah yeah like our skill we could easily look pedro figueredo is 750 he played well last week and of course that this is, uh, i haven't listened yet but it's sky on him it's he really is loves yeah. he loves him yeah. I told him to be on him last week and he said, no, you can't possibly because he's such a short hitter and then he played well. So he's definitely back on him this week. Oh, um, yeah. I might have to as well then. Every uh, time Sky goes through, I have to sort of get a little taste for it. So I I don't mind that. Um, but otherwise, I think I think it's... Yeah. You, you tend to get... You, you get a bit of a shock when you're here sometimes, but they're not complete kind of nobodies. They're always a little bit of... Mm. what price was Todd Clements last week by the way do you have any idea because I have no idea oh I don't actually I wouldn't even have looked at him no not at all I don't think many I don't think anyone did but I think he must have been two three hundred to one sure yeah I thought he would have been about that range and Dan Brown must have been similar right so um well I think that I think he actually was about 70 60 to 70 I think he was yeah because it was uh the level of field obviously yeah I guess so yeah makes sense um but yeah, yeah. I, I, th- I think it, it is the case that there can be some big price winners. This is a course that does throw it up. Um, it's just when you look at kind of like Norrens, the Willits, the Fitzpatricks, the Bjorns. Yeah, you see like, some class rise. The top, yeah, I, I think ultimately, despite the fact that it can be taken apart, there is a lot of strategy to it that leans to these kind of... Oh, it's a, definitely, yeah. It's a quirky little course, which I find it's quite bizarre how many like the last three years have been won by debutants yeah i do, I do find it honestly bizarre. I, I think i think that's probably a little bit field related a little bit covid related um mm. so maybe we get a return to the truest form this this year where there's a bit of course experience helps but with all the kind of front level talent on here the top of the odds board that are younger and gunning for rider cup places we might get another one uh, mm. that we've seen in the last three years so 
Let's wrap it up. Let, let's yeah, summarise our picks. So I'll do Jason's first. It's Nikolai Hoygaard at 18 to 1. Matt Wallace at 22 to 1. Ewan Ferguson at 60 to 1. Sammy Valamaki at 70 to 1. And John Catlin at 175 to 1. I've also gone with Bjork, 22 to 1, 8 places. Rosner, 30 to 1, 8 places. Alex Fitzpatrick, 50 to 1, 8 places. Eduardo Molinari, 80 to 1, 7 places. And John Catlin, 175 to 1, 8 places. Nice. Brad, your three selections for me, I've gone for Matt Wallace. It's 22 to 1, um, 8 places at Bet365. Each way extra, Skybet and Bet Fred. I've gone Alex Fitzpatrick, 50 to 1, 8 places. That's also Bet365, each way extra, and William Hill. And then I've gone for Nathan Kimsey at 70 to 1, 7 places, and that's with Paddy Power and Betfair. Excellent. So I think I think that's a good spread of players. I think there's yeah. a lot to play for this week. Great event. Love the course. I will watch mm. it over the weekend because I'm just I just like this golf course. Um, oh yeah, I love this event. Yeah, I can't so, wait. Uh, it's probably the first time in a while I've been looking forward to watching the DP World Tour, and that's not mm-hmm. really like a like no, an no. DP World Tour. Yeah. I just think it's one of those like been a run of events where like you've had so many majors and then season ending things in the PJ tour it's like it's been a mm. kind of long stretch of big events I think, so. I think there's three for me that always grab my attention the most and that's Valderrama um Leopard Creek and and Kranz um, yeah so I'd yeah. probably add Wentworth to the list just because of the prestige of it but yeah yeah like actually the course that Wentworth I think is just what it is like I don't know if it's like I think yeah I'm talking course wise that I yeah. was yeah, yeah. But that's the thing. Like, the like Crowns is just my ultimate favourite course. Like, I want to go there. I want to watch that's it. Definite um, bucket list, isn't it? <laughs> I should probably tap out one of the one of the former podcast guests to, the, to try and get a trip out there. But um, yeah. cool. I think that's it, Brad. Let, let's leave it there. Let's let's mm-hmm. leave some in the tank for the Ryder Cup discussion. I would have thought that comes next week. Um, yeah. So yeah, looking forward to this. Looking forward to the weekend. Hopefully, our picks come in. And we start ending the DPO season strong. Brilliant. Best of luck. Cheers, Brad. <laughs>